What's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to uh, Christianity Now. This is the podcast where myself and Aaron Dotson discuss contemporary issues facing the Lord's Church at the Lord's Church faces from the timeless perspective of God's Word. Uh, we have a voice. We have a voice. We have. A, we do have a voice, but we have a verse uh, that we use. It gives us kind of the inspiration, and uh, just Aaron, won't you read it, and we'll talk. We'll give the brief intro as to why we do what we do. Sure. What's up? Thanks everybody for listening and watching this. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, their chiefs were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their command. First Chronicles twelve thirty two. That's it. An understanding of the time, the sons of Issachar. We all need to be sons of Issachar because Christianity is not in a bubble. Christianity is in the world. And uh, the videos that we have today, uh, kind of, there's two of them that kind of showcase that. And uh, one is, is pretty uncomfortable. One's kind of funny. It's, it's the, the, the quote-unquote battle of the sexes is something that's always waged, a war that's always waged. And it's kind of humorous. A lot of comedy's been done about it. Um, most of our romantic uh, epics are um, the the plot driver is the battle of the sexes, uh, the differences between men and women. Of course, we all know that in the political in the political realm, that's under fire today. Uh, we have men that can be women, women that can be men. If all you got to do is identify one way, <laughs> and supposedly the world tells us that men and women are absolutely one hundred percent interchangeable. Well, that's just not true, and uh, I don't know how much we'll di get into all that. I'm curious to see where the conversation takes us. I'm curious to see where the audience participation takes us. Uh, this uh, podcast is uh, somewhat driven by audience participation. I would hope that uh, those of you that are listening, if you have questions, if you have observations and comments, put them in the comments section because we do try to read those, and we do try to get to those. Yeah. Anyway, um, we also have a, an interesting verse that we sometimes cite, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 26. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. And the reason we cite that is because Paul is writing from an understanding of the times. There was a present distress in Corinth, and there are some things in the book of 1 Corinthians that really only apply to the present distress. Yeah. So we can take... Um, we can take uh, issues that we are facing and we understand that they're a present distress and we can go to God's timeless word and figure out how to deal with them and how to handle them. Yep. So uh, anyway, Aaron, how have you been this week? Hey, I've been doing well. A little rain today. Hadn't had that in a while. I didn't know quite what it was until I felt <laughs> how wet and cold it was. And there you I go. got my umbrella out because it was pouring. But anyhow. Yeah, so... Uh, I did not realize this, but there was an 870 area code that called me, and it was a call I missed. Was that you? Did you try to call me, and I didn't answer? Yeah, about three or four days ago, maybe. <laughs> you gotta, yeah, if, if, it's, look, if I don't answer and I don't get back with you, call me back. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it was all right. But it, for I some would reason, have. That, it was pressing. <laughs> yes, but for, for some reason, when we got on the live stream there, it just popped into my mind. Yeah. I suppose it's a fine time to bring it up is when we're on live. <laughs> no, we um, could talk talk about how we're live online and we missed each other's calls. <laughs> ain't that the truth? Somebody said, "What in the world is wrong with them?" I know. Well, nothing, as far as I know, it's just yeah. one of them things, you know. I guarantee it. Okay, so um, I'm going to queue up the video and uh, welcome back, gentlemen, to tragedy. Ooh, that's loud. Let me see if I can turn that yes. down. 
I tried to I tried to mix this a little bit when I edited it together these three videos, but evidently I didn't do a good job. Or well, I didn't do a good job because it wasn't routed through my headphones. I was going off my computer speakers. Let me get us where we need to be. All right. So the first video is from a guy called Wrangle Star, and he's had a video. He's had a YouTube channel for like the past decade. He's broken into the world of TikTok, and I really like his channel. They're conservative. Uh, Christian valued people. And um, I think it's very interesting that he puts out content like this. And I think it's very interesting that content like this is desirable and uh, gets a lot of traction on YouTube. And I think it's because the world is looking for something different. I think most people in the world, unless you're an absolute stinking lunatic, is looking for a return to normalcy. I think of Jeremiah chapter 6. Uh, stand ye in the way and see and seek the old paths and walk therein. I think people are understanding that there are some things that we have progressed past in our society that were there for a reason, and we need to go back to them. Yeah, and I think that's why content like this is becoming very popular. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go. Con Wife Lunch 2, where I share the amazing meals my traditionally conservative homeschooling wife makes for me. Welcome back, gentlemen, right. to Trad Con Wife Lunch 2, where I share the amazing meals my traditionally conservative homeschooling wife makes for me each day. This morning, we've got organic walnuts. We even have segmented. She segments my grapefruits because she knows I like it that way. Organic orange juice, some sort of a green drink. I don't ask, I just drink it. Fresh yogurt. <laughs> Fresh cereal. She even folds my napkin. Mrs. W understands that I... All right, before he says that next phrase, I'm going to stop right there, and I'm going to be a little bit not devil's advocate because the devil has plenty to advocate on his behalf already, but I'm going to be a little bit sarcastic. What an oppressed woman. I mean, this is right. like the handmaid's tale. This is like a Stepford wife. She must not have any personality. She right. must not get any respect from her husband. Because he makes her cook or, or prepare his lunch every day and bring it out on a tray to his shop. And for those of right. you that are listening to this after the fact, um, he's 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 doing a TikTok and saying, hey, this is a TikTok. This is the next episode of what my wife makes me for lunch every day. And he identifies her as a traditionally conservative homeschooling wife. Yeah. So he's already he's already alluded to the fact that she has a role in the household. Yeah. And it's a wonderful looking tray. It's a, it's as, as to, to recap, it's a, it's a drink, it's fruit, it's nuts. It's uh, some grand grain cereal. It's some orange juice and some, what was that porridge or oatmeal or something like that? I don't know, but I'm hungry now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'm, I don't eat carbohydrates because carbohydrates are bad for my body. Yeah. But that's a good, that's a good lunch. In yeah. fact, if I, if I am, <laughs> If I if I could eat if I could if I could be better with portion control, I could actually enjoy carbohydrates. The problem is, carbohydrates kick me up and don't don't satisfy my hunger, and I'm it's really hard for me to have portion control. Yeah. All that being said, <laughs> oh yogurt, Wickley said yogurt. Hey, a little more sarcasm, if I might. Yeah, uh, a little more sarcasm. She must have come from a family where you know her great grandfather, her grandfather, her father is just beat into their minds. Yes. The woman is subservient to the man. The woman is worthless, and she has to do exactly what the man says, no matter what, no matter how miserable or happy she is. That's and, it. And that's that. She's just been 
brainwashed for four generations is, is what is what we would be told by by some in the world today. Yes. And Scott Beck says, no coffee? Send it back. <laughs> I, <laughs> coffee, I, man. I, I would imagine from the content that I see Wrangle Star put out, if that man, if 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 Papa wanted some coffee, Mama <laughs> would give some coffee. He must not be a coffee dude. You know, he must not be. Anyway, so so the idea here is though, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the the flip side to this. Uh, this woman is Handmaid's Tale at Stepford Wives. I can't believe she's that oppressed. She's a slave to this man. What she should have done is right during the most uh, fertile prime years of her life, not gotten married, not had children, not fulfilled her purpose as a wife and a mother, and gone to school and gone in debt and and, and owned her sexuality and then gotten a job, say, as a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse or something like that. And that way she could be working for a man who is not her wife or not her husband. <laughs> her husband, yeah. Do you see how foolish this idea yeah. is? Yeah, she could go make money for somebody else, you know, a big corp, you know. Yes. Like like yeah, if 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 the women if 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 the twenty year old women in the workforce were not doing the things for the uh, corporations, then the corporations couldn't make money. So let's teach our women to go serve the corporations and 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 become subservient to the corporations to make them money and allow them to make money, but let's stigmatize our twenty-year-old women by uh, who choose to marry a man and be in a subservient in a godly way and support their man so he can make money. Which one does which one does the young woman uh, get more benefit from? Right. If if you're if you're a twenty year old woman and you uh, marry a man and you help him become ultra successful, what do you what 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 do you do? Like, don't don't you reap the benefits of that much more than if you're twenty years old and you go to work for a a, a law firm? Yeah, and 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 allow them to make money. Right. And the and the feminists that's that's the way they think that it really is. They they think that the women have been oppressed for, you know, many many generations, and that they need to be the heads of these CEOs instead of any men. So I guess they would have it where all women are in control of everything or in charge or positions of authority, and there are no men. I assume. I, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. Um, that, I guess that would be the perfect world in their mind. I guess. Yeah, uh, Connie. Uh, I hope you know that Aaron and I were being sarcastic. Yes, um, yes. Yeah, Aaron, Connie says you should not be putting down women who like to do things for their husbands. Not so, Aaron. No. Um, I am a woman who has, from day one of our marriage, I have fixed my husband. I hope it jumped. Uh, hold on. I have, Well, where'd it go? I have fixed my husband breakfast and all meals. I do so because I want to. Yeah, we we know that Connie, and and we we know we're talking. We're being sarcastic here. He may not have caught the beginning. Yeah, she may just be now tuning in. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, if you if you thought what he said was sarcastic, you should have heard what I said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Deborah O'Neill says, "I know women who want to quit work and stay home, but their husbands won't let them because they'll have to give up their new boat and won't <laughs> get a new car every two years. She has to help out with the bills. Yes, and you know that that's a problem." And so the the problem 
of the the household and the deteriorating uh, household uh, institution of marriage is that uh, people have bought into a, a, a live materialism, materialistic yes. materialism, yes. materialistic night, anyway, yes. whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's it's almost the same excuse. Well, I can't come to church because I have to work on Sunday. You do. Yeah. Yes. Well, you have three vehicles. You've got two vehicles and a recreation vehicle. You have a boat. You have a house that that if you, you see what I'm saying, <laughs> yeah. you could downsize. You could make some sacrifices so you could not. You could have a job that wouldn't make you work on Sundays. Yep. Oh, but people don't want to hear that. People don't want to scrutinize those kinds of yes. realities, though. Like, why do you have to work on Sunday? Yes. Well, to to pay for what? Is it? You yes. Know. Now, it is. It is the moral equivalent. These these two things that I'm about to talk about are moral equivalents. A a woman who does not want to be subservient to a man and wants to go out and chase money, or a man who wants his woman to go out working because he wants to enjoy the perks of having a two-person household, a two-income household. All right? Now, some people say, and, and this, this is where this gets dicey. Well, our household wouldn't work unless it was two incomes. No, it would. I guarantee you it would. What, what really is the case is it wouldn't work at the level of comfort you were used to having at the lifestyle you're used to having without two incomes. Yeah. You know, you it, without two incomes, you wouldn't be able to go to Starbucks. You wouldn't be able to go to McDonald's. You wouldn't be able to go elsewhere out to eat. You wouldn't be able to enjoy a new vehicle. Man, I tell you, the the average the average vehicle payment <sighs> is around five or six hundred dollars a month in the United States of America. You know, I, I go back to Dave Ramsey. What, 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 whatever you think of him, he's, he's, he talks about this, and they've done the research. The average millionaire in the United States drives a vehicle that is four to six years old and has no payment. Millionaires do yeah. not have brand new vehicles, yet yeah. we have people that are making. We have people who live in households, dual income households, making a hundred, one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year that have yep. two new vehicles and they have a thousand dollars or more a month yep. going out in vehicle payments alone, not counting insurance and maintenance and stuff like that. You know, and the thing about new vehicle too, a lot of people say, well, I don't have a new vehicle. A new vehicle is a 2022, but they have a 2021 or a 2020. And I'm yeah. not, we're not, I'm not saying that's, that's inherently a violation of God's will. I, we're just saying that the, a, a different lifestyle can be lived where you can keep the priorities the way you as a child of God should want them to be, where, sure. you, where you're not having to work 50, 60 hours a week and having to work every Sunday because you have to pay for these things that are not absolutely necessary. Oh, absolutely. You know, and save up and buy a vehicle. That takes time. And yeah. sadly, we have, as a society, we've bought into the idea that that is not acceptable. I can't wait. I can't right. save up. I will not save up. I want it now. And that's hurting us greatly. Oh, yes, it is. And we, we've, we don't understand about the idea of sacrifice. Um, I, whenever I first, I had always known about Amish people. But whenever I first met the Amish people in Weekly County, Tennessee, um, they I talked to them 
and I asked some questions like, hey, you know, so so it, do y'all think it's a sin to have a combine? Do you think it's a sin to have a tractor? Do you, they Actually, they don't. Like, no, we don't think it's a sin. But think about this. You see those two mules? Those two, that, that, that pair of mules cost us $4,000. In two harvests, they're paid for. And now they work for me. Yep. If I get a, if, you know, how much does a combine cost? Well, I, at the time, you know, you could spend up to a quarter million dollars on a combine. You have to, that, and that, that combine is always financed. Basically, are you working for your stuff or is your stuff working for you? And I don't agree with the Amish. I don't agree with hardly, well, I don't agree with any other theology. And I think they go too far in taking themselves out of the world, obviously. Yeah. But that made a lot of sense to me. Um, it's the, it's, are you working for your stuff or is your stuff working for you? Exactly. That, that's the idea. We really need to be thinking about that. We need to be meditating on that, making decisions that accord with those things are working for me and I'm working for the Lord. You know, I'm using all the things that I have to serve God yeah. instead of serving me, you That's know, it. me alone. Well, I know what you're saying. You're saying we don't serve those things. We don't serve as children of God money. We shouldn't be, yeah. but we often are. In Union City, Tennessee, there there used to be a Goodyear tire and rubber plant, and it drove the economy of the good of, of Union City, Tennessee. And these tire makers were in a tire maker union. I don't know what it was called. And they they worked 40 hours a week, plus they got overtime. And what would happen is these guys would work all kinds of overtime, and they we called them $40,000 a year millionaires because their base salary was around well, – they're hourly, so it's not a salary. But their base income was – their income was based, their hourly wage – was based on $40,000, you know, $20 an hour on a 40-hour work week. That's $40,000 a year. But they would get double time and triple time for, for certain days and overtime and Sundays and such. And they they had the bass boats. They had the big, huge houses and stuff like that. So when a financial crisis hit, guess what? Like they were a slave to the overtime. They had to work that overtime. So in other words, now, if, if they would have been smart, which some of them were, uh, their bills, their lifestyle would have been actually lived at, well, actually less than 40000 because 40000 was their base. Their lifestyle would have been, would have been should have been at around 32000 yeah. and then the other should have just been put back. So when financial times come, or God forbid, when it actually happened, when the plant was closed. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. When Goodyear Tire and Rubber closed... The, the price of bass boats and four-wheel drive trucks went down immensely because people had to sell them. Mm -hmm. The price of property went down because people had to sell it. Mm -hmm. the, the market was inundated with, with people trying to get rid of stuff fast. Yeah. Yeah. They needed anyway, money. And, and, and where, what does that have to do with the dichotomy of, of relationship between a man and his wife? Um, it goes right back to priorities. And if you are trying to live above your means, so if you're trying, if, if you're a two income household 
and you're trying to live all the way up to the amount your two-income household makes, then you're going to be a slave to somebody. Tony, and I hear a lot of really good people otherwise say that they have to live off two incomes. Right. You know, there, there, there are people that really think they have to, and I— I know I can't know everything in every situation, but I, 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 what we're saying is if people would scrutinize what they're doing and not live beyond their means and, and, and spend the time that they need to in their home with their husband, their wife, their children, their, you know, instead of being a slave to making more money to pay for things. I, I just, again, like I said, a lot of otherwise really good people we 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 t- we buy this in large because of society and its influence. We gotta have two incomes. It's like, it. do we have to? Have we scrutinized it so closely that we realize, you know, I don't have to have A or B or C. You know, I, I'm not trying to be ugly, but let's just straight up facts over feelings. Let's examine this. Well, so in in a two income household, you're sacrificing time, quality time spent with one another. <sighs> In order to 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 retain your lifestyle, so you're sacrificing yep. time, quality time with one another to, to sustain your lifestyle. Yep. When if, if if you only had one income, you would have to sacrifice lifestyle for the quality time and and the more conser- traditionally conservative gender roles in a family unit. Yep. Yep. Either way, you're sacrificing. Pick your. Right. It's like life is hard. Pick your hard. Exactly. Either you way, want, you're sacrificing. You want your hard striving to mimic the roles or follow the roles rather that God has given in Scripture with quality time between husband and wife and with children. And we've talked about this in times past, but I find myself going back to it all the time. We've bought in wholesale for umpteen years in our country to just the public school system. We think that's the way it's got to be, yeah. And and people are missing out. I see posts from time to time, uh, fairly often from from mothers and and others, you know, about how much they miss their children when they're in school, uh-huh. and how when their children get out of high school, man, it happens so fast. It happens so fast, and uh, yeah, it's going to happen fast no matter what. But I'm going to tell you, it goes super duper fast when somebody yeah. else has your children for eight to 10 hours a day. You got that right. It and really let, does. That's let, the truth. Let me tell you what it used to be. And and we might dig a little deeper into this and see why it changed and when it changed. And I have an idea of why and when. Used to, uh, a, a young, uh, a kid, two kids courted. They got married very young from our perspective. You know, they got married whenever... They were 18, 19 years old. Sometimes the girl was even younger because women typically marry men that are older than them because of the the maturity. I mean, women women just mature faster than men. That that's a proven fact. So we'll take my dad. All right. My Bill Brewer and Betty Brewer. Bill Brewer was 17 years old when he married my mother. She was 15. That seems crazy to us. I've got a daughter that's 18 years old. I couldn't imagine having her married, but actually she is she is mentally prepared for being married. Yeah. My son is mentally prepared for being married. Yeah. But that's a that's another story. Yeah, if if there was a man that 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 was her equal, you know, that she could yeah. be married now, she would be yes. prepared. Absolutely. And and the idea though 
is what used to happen whenever you saw a professional woman, a woman who is a lawyer, a doctor, or something like that. Well, they got married so young, and the, the quote-unquote, the woman would do her time and put the man through school or put the man or, or, or support the man while he got a job at the factory and worked his way up to where he got stable. You know, so by the time the man was like 28 to 32, all right, which seems very, very young to us, but that's that that's an that is a man. Twenty eight to thirty two is a man. Now, so the woman then would be uh twenty four to twenty eight, then think about it. She's already got children because they they've spent this time, they started having children. She's already got two or three children, and then the woman, so with with this successful man now that the woman is responsible for, she's responsible for making him a success, then she goes if she so desires, and she can go to a college and, and get a degree and further her education and get a job and stuff like that. So that that's the way it used to be. But now this society has said, no, in order to be married, woman, you have to be independent, which is an oxymoron. Independent of what? Well, independent of a man. The man has to be independent. Of what? Of a woman. Well, by definition, what is a marriage? It's a man and a woman who's dependent upon each other. Yeah, not independent. <laughs> so, I mean, what, I, I, and I, we, I we're think, setting them up for failure. We I really know. are. We are. And, and, and I say it all the time. We are robbing our young people of over a decade of yes. wealth building, childbearing, yes. enjoying each other sexually. Yes, passion and romance, yes. Yes. wonderful time together, being together, going places together, et cetera. That's it. Oh, man. Oh. We, we've yeah. been on this 26 minutes now, all from this lunch trade that's been made. <laughs> I know. We haven't even gotten much explanation from it. him, but we know what there is so much in this. Yeah. this what we've started, you know. I know. Let's look at some of these con uh, comments. Um, Connie, Connie, and Deborah both allude to having vehicles that are a little bit older. Connie's got a 2010 Dodge, and Deborah has an 07. And they're paid for. We're keeping them. And my my 2015 Ram is paid for. Yep. Man, I, and I just spent 600 bucks on it. And you know what? That was cheap because I've had it three years now, and yeah, I've spent 600 bucks besides normal maintenance. Yep. Uh, Chadwick Lucas says that speaking of working on Sunday, my dad went for years having to work on Sundays with fairly rarely being able to go into work or Sunday service. Back in January, he was offered a job being off on weekends, and he is much happier. He did have to take a pay cut, but he does not regret it. So that's amazing, and that's good. Yeah. Um, David says, look at hyperinflation, the place, the price of gasoline, food, et cetera. If you lived in a one-income household at this present time, you would be dirt poor. And now these idiots want us to buy an electric car. Good luck on the one-income household. I, I absolutely disagree with that statement. Yeah. Yeah. You can live on a one-income household today. You just, it, it, it has to start early. You can't, you, you can't order your life from being a teenager all the way up to your 30, 35 years old on a on the idea of a two-income household and yep. then 
think you're going to have an easy transition at 35 going to a one-income household because from your perspective, you're going to be dirt poor. Yep. But let me tell you something. You can go get a job at Walmart and you can, starting at 18 years old, Mm -hmm. if all you ever want to do is be in retail sales, you can go get a job at Walmart when you get out of high school and you can put your nose to the grindstone, you can be Johnny on the spot, you can, every year they give an inflation raise. And by the time, with with the minimum wage laws and stuff like that, which I don't agree with, but they are there. You can be making enough that on a budget, you can you can you can be in a one income household. You yes, can do that, and a lot of younger people are starting out from the time they're seventeen years old or so till they're in their late thirties, not not having been taught correctly, not having learned responsibility. Right. They think that they're supposed to live the way their grandparents live financially or parents who have been working for 30, 40, and 50 years and saving and working yeah. hard. Well, you can't start out. What happens is so many with, with student loans, the shark loan, the loan sharks, et cetera, and this, this materialistic way of living, got to have this, got to have that. I got to live. I got to live in this nicer house. They sink. We're sinking ourselves into debt at 18 and 20 years old. Yes. And then 39 years old, we're like, man, I wish I'd have done something different. And then we're like, well, I can't do it now I, because speak, now I'm in, and yeah. now I'm going to be dirt poor if I live in a single income house. Yes. And speaking of debt, uh, Dave Ramsey is you, you don't you don't finance a car. Right. Period. That's right. And Dave Ramsey says, Hey, do you know what people who don't have a car payment spend their money on? Anything they want to. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Anything they want. Hey, so th- think about yeah. the financial decision of financing because you got a two per, per, you got a two person household, you're gonna have two vehicles. Think about the financial decision of financing two vehicles. Yeah. Now, what if you could have all of that money per month coming into your budget? Would you need a two-person household? So you're working for the right to work. Yeah. That, that's the idea. Yeah. yeah. And that's what only it, with a car. Yeah, what's so he think, always saying? Live like no one else so you can live like no one else. Yeah, yeah, it, you know. Aaron, there was a meal uh, that, that we ate in my home growing up. <laughs> Um, it was uh, spaghetti noodles with chopped up tomatoes, like stewed tomatoes and stuff like that. And um, there was some cornbread and something like that with it. I can't remember exactly, but there was no meat. I remember, like, why do why do y'all cook this so much? <laughs> yeah. Whenever whenever Betty and Bill got married, and Bill got out of the military. No, Bill was still in the military, and and they were stationed. They only had so much money per month, you know, given to them by the military. And they would eat this meal a lot. Like they did, like rice and beans and beans and rice. That's what I was about to say. That's what he says all the time, rice and beans, beans and rice. And and like they they would, uh, in the beginning of the month, they bought a a cornmeal, they bought noodles, they bought uh, canned tomatoes and stuff like that, uh, and, and by the end of the month, sometimes they would run out of meat. So for a couple of weeks in a row, or, or, or uh, uh, 
for the last week sometimes, for a few days in a row, they would eat these noodles and tomatoes. Yep. I mean, it wasn't spaghetti, y'all. It was tomatoes and noodles. Right. You know? Sac- sacrifice. And look, they got by fine. I know. And sp- and spam. Uh-huh. My mother would bake spam, and she would... Um, put she would she would stick cloves in it. She would sprinkle like brown sugar and and stuff like that, and treat it like a ham. But she would it, it, it was a spam loaf, and that was our meat for a meal. And she the we had a plenty of money. We could have afforded ribeye steaks, but that's what I, growing up. Yep. I thought that I I, I, were, I thought that we were bankrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But. They 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 had they they had just lived that way at the beginning of their marriage to save up, and you know so I've I've always I had always lived in a house that my dad owned. It, you know uh, what we're talking about is lifestyle. That, that that's yeah. the thing. But let, let's say the government said, "Thou shalt buy a, a battery powered car if you are caught driving a gasoline car. You'll go to prison for thirty years." Let's just say that became reality next yep. year. Okay, look, I think that's the most ridiculous thing ever. It's oppressive and stupid. But bottom line, people with, with good sense adapt. You adapt. You figure it out. If I had to move and live closer to town to walk to work to do whatever I needed, you just do it. That's what the older oh. generations did. They, they did with what they had, and they did incredible things with very, very little. It's amazing. And, and that, that's something else we don't talk about. Move to where the money is if you need money. Yes. The reason uh, my dad worked for General Motors in Michigan because there was nothing in Tennessee. He only moved back to Tennessee because of the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. And he started working at Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, I think, in 1970. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, move to where the money is. But what we tell people is, no, you got to stay here, which, which, is because of the infantilization of our of our young people. Well, no, we we don't. I don't want my children to move off. But 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 but, but what if there's where the money is? Do you want your child to be successful? Do you want do you want your son to be a successful adult? All right. So, and, and ooh, I'm going to get on a soapbox I, I, here. I, I know. I know. There's a lot. I, you you may have. Well, I I live I live two hours. I, that, that's 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 wrong. I shouldn't. There's say a that. lot of people that drive an hour. Yeah. Well, and gas, that, and gas four dollars an hour. Well, well that's the thing. Know. So I'm. It, let, let's say you live an hour outside of town. Guess what? You may need to move into town if you can't afford a vehicle. If all you can do to get a vehicle is going to debt thirty thousand dollars at six hundred dollars a month plus full coverage insurance. Yeah. It may be that at this stage in your life, you do not, you cannot afford the privilege of living, the luxury of living outside of town. So you need to get an apartment, a little one bedroom apartment with your newlywed wife, and you need to make a baby in that apartment and make a life in that apartment and save up. And when you have a car that doesn't cost you any payments every month, then you can say, "Hey, now we've we've re- we've been married seven years." We've got a a, a, a six year old and a, a four year old and a and a two year old. Yep. 
this little apartment's getting crowded. We're going to we're gonna we're gonna go out of town and and you're gonna live there because a rent's cheaper or we can fi- finance this home and we're paying less a month than our living expenses. But I'll be putting more wear and tear on my vehicle, but my vehicle's paid for. And it's a better quality of life. That's the dream, the white picket fence out in the country. Why was that a, Why was that the American dream for so long? Because in order to make money, you had to go to the city. Yeah. And then once you established yourself, yeah. once you saved up enough, you they, could realize they, the dream of a white picket fence with a yard in the, in the yeah. country. Yeah they, could, yeah, they could get to where they've taken care of their things yeah. and sustain themselves to live out there a little out yeah. in the country. You know, Deborah O'Neill made a comment. She said, I had one woman tell me she didn't raise her children. She paid somebody else to do it. That's it. That's just, she said that, then the comment says, that's just the cold, hard facts in a great many cases. Yes, it is. I, that's, that, and that's why we're talking about these things. We need yeah. to be scrutinizing our lifestyles. I know. I, and I, the, the biggest issue is we, we, we allow, we, we instill the value into our young people of beginning their journey where their parents finished theirs. Yep. Well, ooh, if I might for a second, a soapbox, I've always heard otherwise good people say, well, I want my kids to have it better than I did. I, I, I get that. If you grew up in abject poverty, like literally starving, I get that. I totally get that. But like, what made you the person you are today with the responsible mindset the moral fiber you have, learning some things, quote unquote, the not so easy way, the harder way. I'm not saying purposely punish children. I'm just saying like at a certain point, Tony, there are generations that if we had it or any particular individual had it better than their parents, they'd be they'd be bathing in gold. They'd be living in a 500,000 square foot house. They, they, they would be making $200,000 a year. They would be driving a, a, a $200,000 car or, you know, like we don't, it's not always applicable to, to think or to live off the idea. I want my children to have it better than I did. Like if I had it better than, if my kids had it better than I did, you know, I mean, my parents taught me responsibility they helped me when I was a child, and they helped me to be self-substantiating as I grew older. You know, I learned, I feel like I had a good balance. But, like, if we just hand things to them so they can have it, quote-unquote, better, I, I just don't know that that's the right approach is what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know if you got any thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that I do. I mean, it's just. I, I, I just, you know, I want to have it better. What do you mean? You want it better than, you want them to have it better, like like give them things so they won't have to work as hard as you did? Like that's, yeah. what, make, that's what makes you the great person you are today. You sacrificed. You scrimped. You saved. You, you didn't stay out late on Friday nights. You woke up early and went to your job on Saturday morning and worked at the hardware store while you were working in college, you know, and I'm not saying yeah. I had a, I've got a, a terrible story or nothing. I haven't had a wonderful life, but I learned responsibility. I worked two jobs while I was in college, yeah. you know, and could barely make it in, in many respects, but I made it. And, you know, I, I, and I had support from people that loved me. I had family members that would help me and I would say, I don't want it. I don't want the help. And they'd say, well, you're working, you're working two jobs and you're trying to study. It's worth helping someone when they're working and they're trying, you know, and that's what I had 
family members tell me, if you were just sitting idle doing nothing, we wouldn't want to give you this. But since you're working, we don't see it as a handout. We see it as a blessing as and a reward to help you because you're doing everything you can and your car tore up and you don't have 500 bucks to fix it and you need to go to work. Yeah. You know, I, you see it. There's a lot of factors here, but yeah. I'm well, just some scenarios here. So there, there's a there's a comment here I want to address because I'm, I'm rather confused by it. Tony and Aaron, you guys are basically self-employed, and you probably pay to pay taxes quarterly. So paying for health insurance, which is skyrocketed, must take a huge chunk out of your income. When you add all the other things that are critical to life, you will eventually have to have a situation where you will have to think differently and act differently differently due to emergency. I know you probably won't agree with this, but there was a time where I was very poor and lived paycheck to paycheck, but now I'm better off and have made uh, wise decisions uh, in investing. I would rather be rich and miserable than poor and miserable, just my thoughts on the subject. David, no offense, brother, but that was just nonsense. I don't understand what you're saying. First off, there is never, there's never going to be an emergency come up in my life where I will think differently and act differently about the things we are saying here today. Because if they're true, they're true whether it's an emergency yes. or not. Yes. You know. And the thing, it, it doesn't matter if you're basically self-employed, if you're actually self-employed, or if you are employed by an employer, the things mm-hmm. we are saying are true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so I don't confused. know what you were yeah. talking about there, and I, and I don't even know if that's the part that you said that I might disagree with. I mean, what you said about being poor and and living paycheck to paycheck, I agree with there was probably a time in your life where you did that. And I agree that you probably don't have to do that now because you were wise in investing. So I, I don't I don't know. I don't understand the comment, but yeah. I just want to make sure that we're all um, understanding what Aaron and I are saying, that we as Christians need to change our values and quit being so worldly and measuring success, having arrived, I have made it, so to speak, by the world standards. Yeah, materialism. Yep. Sure enough. All right. Uh, let me read this last comment by Deborah O'Neill. Will let other people tell us what a good life and income and place to live and vehicle are. Like the meme of the little boy when his dad took him to see what poor people live like and he thought they were rich because they played outside. <laughs> had pets and had a big yard and ate meals together. Ain't that yeah. the truth? Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. let's 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 get yeah. to the rest of this video. Yeah, go ahead. Because what what started this was <laughs> traditional gender roles. Yes. All right, they're a good thing, and your quality of life will be better if you have a woman who acts like the woman in this video and a man who acts like the man in this video, because that's God's plan. Amen. Yeah. And that does not mean that a woman cannot work outside of the home. Please go see the virtuous woman of Proverbs 31. Yeah. Yeah. And I would tell you about the virtuous woman. Uh, she was smart and wise enough and hardworking enough to be able to do that. In my opinion, a lot of women, they're not to that commitment. They want to work outside the home, but they're not, they don't take care of the home. They, you know, it's easy yeah. to say, well, the virtuous woman, she, she worked and did, yeah, but just read the verses real closely. She worked hard yes. to quote unquote work outside the home and take care of her home. 
That's yes. That takes some maturity sacrifice too. That has to be considered instead of just saying, "Well, I can work sixty hours a week because the virtuous woman worked outside the house." You know. But anyhow. Yep. All right. You ready? Yeah. Go ahead. It's my napkin. Mrs. W understands that I'm the economic engine of this family. Did you hear that? She understands I'm the economic engine of this family. So what do you want to do with the economic engine of your family? You want to keep it running smoothly. That's right. You want it performing. You want it, you want it working at, at optimal capacity. performance. Yes. <laughs> yes. So what she do, honey, here's your lunch. Yep. It reminds me of a story that Jerry Clower told. He was backstage ready to perform, and all the seats were taken. And this woman comedian come in, and he stood up because he said, look, I could tell this. The only way I knew this was a woman, by the way her dungarees were fitting her. But she was one of these women liber types. Mm -hmm. But my mama would turn over in her grave if she knew that I kept my seat and had allowed a woman to stand. So I stood up, and I said, ma'am, please take my seat. And according to his story, the woman looks at him and says, <laughs> Deborah's heard the story, um, and the uh, and the woman said, "You sit down and just, ma'am, my." And he said, "My mama would turn over my grave if I didn't offer you this seat." She said, "I speak for women everywhere when I say that we don't need a man to get up and offer him our offer us his seat." And he said, "Lady, let me tell you about mama." And and Mama's affectionately who he calls his wife. He said, Mama wakes up every morning and she has the opportunity to be woke up by a butler or to wake up to a gold crusted gold plated diamond crusted alarm clock. <laughs> um, <laughs> she has she has the option to take breakfast in bed or her by and brought to her by our butler, or she has the option to go down and cook it herself. She has the option to send the butler out to get the groceries, or she can go out and get into the gold Lincoln Continental and go get the groceries herself. Like he just painted this life of extravagance. And he said, lady, let me tell you something. Mama don't want you messing with the deal she's got. <laughs> yeah. And of course, as Deborah O'Neill pointed out, she coon, Jerry Clower said, this is the story about when I met the she coon of women libbers. Uh -huh. Let me tell you something. The women's liberation movement has done more to lessen the quality of life for women yep. than any other thing on the planet. Absolutely. And, 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 and lecherous debased men have stood by and let it happen. Think about what the burn the bra movement and the men going, Oh yeah, no, we don't want you to burn your bra. We no, don't do that. You're a bad person. No, don't burn the bra. That's like Br'er Rabbit Rabbit saying, Don't throw me in the briar patch. <laughs> oh, you want to free the nipple? Oh, that that's really bad. We yeah. don't want to oh, you want to have sex and be promiscuous? And 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 alleviate us of all responsibility if we get you pregnant. Oh, don't do that. Just talk. That's it. Yeah. That's it. And basically, this women's liberation movement has turned women into men. Yep. 
Yeah, and because they're not they're not happy with themselves. They they act like they're no. going to be so happy and satisfied and fulfilled if no. they're the ones that are in charge and treated like a man. Well, and they're not at large. The people that buy into the world system, the women and the men, yeah. both, they're miserable. They're yes. unhappy. They and, are not being fulfilled. And women and men both. You, you this right. very important. Yep. Um. Now, so. Mrs. Wranglestar here knows that Mr. Wranglestar is the economic engine. Yep. All right, let's keep going. And she does everything that she can to support it. This is why, uh, one of the reasons why we have a good relationship and a happy marriage, because this is a reminder to me every day of her admiration and her love for me. And I'll tell you that it doesn't go unnoticed. It's not a small thing to provide three meals for a family a day, and I greatly appreciate it. And ladies, if your man is out working hard for the family and you're a stay-at-home mom, if he's coming home without a hot meal, you looking your best in a clean house, you're tearing your house down with your own hands. What uh, yeah. a misogynist. Yeah, what, what a, a woman hater. Yeah. Do you know what would happen if you come into that man's home and you disrespected mama? Ooh. He'd kill you. <laughs> yeah. Graveyard dead. Yeah, like slapping mama bear, a literal mama bear, a bear in the wild right I there guarantee. trying to take the trying to take the 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 cubs. You get I mean, mauled. Mm, no, you put you your place fast. I guarantee it. And Yeah. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't. I ain't got much comment. What do, I you, know. what do you got? No, that's that's it. That's what that's what our generations. That's what our generation needs to be hearing. That's the solid truth of it. That, yes. You know, take care of take care of one another in marriage. Take care, women. Take care of your men, and men take care of your women. Let them do the role that God gave them. Motivate them to do the role that God gave them. Support them to do the role that God gave them. Don't. Don't well, all it boils down to the whole feminist movement, everything. It's all just worldly wisdom. It's yeah. careless, worldly, satanic wisdom that thinks they know better than God's way. The Bible's just an old book and it's ancient history. God is dead, etc. Mess. That's it. It's not reality. Reality no. is the way God set it up. A a absolutely. And and like I said. We're Aaron and I, Aaron and I are men, so we teach from a male perspective. Therefore, we focus more on the decline of of the the traditional woman. There's been a decline of the traditional man. Yes, um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna encapsulate this in a question I get asked about the Bible a lot. Is it a sin for a woman to say "Amen" during a worship service? Well, First Corinthians chapter fourteen, it is absolutely not, because the implication is that. Uh, both male and female say amen, all right? We can talk about that another time. But here's what I say. Let's say that it is a sin. How do you get it to stop? Do you withdraw fellowship from every woman that does it? The easiest way to get it to stop is for the men to quit sitting there like a knot on the log, and whenever the preacher says something they agree with that needs to be said, they speak up and say amen. Amen. That goes all the way back that. to the garden. Yep. The woman should have never had a conversation with the serpent. Yeah. It should have been the man. The man was not stepping up and fulfilling his godly role. Therefore, the woman had the conversation with the serpent, and it went terribly. Yep. Yep. He stood by idol. That's it. So 
But now, again, women can only do so much. Men can only do so much. This is a problem that needs to be tackled from both sides. Yes, So just because Aaron and I are men and we teach from a male perspective, don't think that means that we think that that men don't need help. That's right, because many men are not, and that's why the women are wanting and are, some of them, saying amen. Yes. And again, like you said, it's not a violation of God's will, but bottom line, the reason why they are the ones doing it is because the men aren't. The men right. are sitting idle. They're sitting on their, like John Deberry right. says, on the hands. Uh, what does he say? On the oh. elbows of do little and do less and do no, nothing. Set, or sitting something. down on their bottom of do little and leaning back on their elbows of do less. Do less. That's it. And yep. so men need to step up to be men. Women need to allow them to be men. Yep. And women do not need to penalize men when they are masculine. And you know what? Hard, cold truth. Some men need that godly woman like Deborah. To go get Bayrack and say, it's time to get to work. Get well, up and do what God, and I'm not talking yeah. about in the assembly. I'm I talking know. about in the individual lives of, of husbands and wives when the men are not doing it at all. Yeah. The women, you know, we you do need women to step up and tell them to do it. That's it. Instead of, con, instead of taking, you know, taking over and doing it themselves. Yes. Now, let's end this segment with a story. This is a joke. But the reason it's a it's a good joke, it's a good story, is because of the truth that's in it. And it doesn't matter the players. I heard it first with Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton. It doesn't matter who it would be. Insert whatever names you like best there. But Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton went back to Hot Springs, Arkansas, and they saw a man that Hillary Clinton used to date in high school, and he was a garbage man. He was hanging on he wasn't even a driver. He was hanging on the back of the truck. And Bill said, "Look, Hillary, you 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 got you were pretty serious with him. Yeah, Bill, I was. You almost married him, didn't you? Yeah, I almost did. Well, you just think if you would have married him, uh, you would be the wife of a garbage man instead of the wife of a of a president." And Hillary's reply was classic. Hillary said, "No, Bill, you're mistaken. If I would have married him, I'd still be the wife of a president. He'd be the president." <laughs> That 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 is such a classic story, because of the truth that enca- is encapsulated in it. Yep, yep. Men, who you marry makes all the difference. Yes, it does. Women, the power that you wield from a godly position of having the man as the head and you being subjected to him is immense. It's the power to change the world, potentially. And even if it doesn't f- come to fruition to, the, the, to change the world, it will definitely change your world. Yep. And his. Absolutely. Yep. And and, and a man doesn't do that. The, yep. it's, it's, it's just different. Yep. All right. All right, now, um, let's go to the next video. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I didn't know if you wanted to do another video or not. Go ahead. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get through this one pretty quick. As someone who was addicted to porn for like a decade, I just want to give one piece of advice to anyone struggling right now. The most important advice I can give you is this. Well, maybe not that, but it's close. You looking at porn is not because you're horny or because you've just cultivated bad habits and lack self-control. 
Not even close. The reason I got clean from porn was not because of more internet blockers or accountability. I tried everything and I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out until I actually got to the root of why I was watching it. Very, very important what he just said. I think, yep. and, and, and I don't, it's going to sound weird. I don't want to focus on the porn so much as I want to focus on any addiction. Yes. It is so easy to look at an addiction yes. and try to alleviate the, the addiction. Like if you're addicted to drugs, well, you got to stop doing drugs. Man, that's easy. You know, let me tell you something. People who are addicted to drugs, they get caught and they go to prison. Uh, well, they go to jail. Let's say they spend, you know, 60 days in jail. They're clean when they come out. You know what the first thing they do is? They go get more drugs. It's not yep. just a matter of stopping the behavior. No, it's not. You've got to heal. And, yep. and I use the word heal on purpose. Let, and with pornography, yep. I implore you from a man's perspective, if you are a woman who is dealing with your significant other, a man who is watching pornography, get him help. He needs help, but it has nothing to do with you. Nothing to do with you. It's hard It's hard to understand that. But him watching pornography is not him being unfaithful to you. It's not him adulterating the marriage because he thinks that there's something that you're not providing what him needs, what he's what he needs. It doesn't matter what you do for him unless the core problem is treated. He's always going to turn to that because that is his medication. All right? P pornography is sinful, pornography is adultery. It is not fornication, but it is right. adultery. Yep. And it will destroy trust in a relationship and Absolutely. marriage. It does. Quick, and, quick, and quick. Feelings of inadequacy, all that good stuff, it does all that. It, it's, it's an egregious sin against a spouse. Yes. It's an egregious sin against God. Absolutely. So understand what I mean when I say this, that, that if, you're, if you're dealing with, a, with your husband who is addicted to pornography, it has, it has very little to do with you. It's, it has all to do with him, although it affects you in a very terrible way. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, there's underlying reasons. He's going to talk about it probably. Absolutely. And you see, we don't look at porn because we like to watch other people do it. We look at porn because we are medicating a wound inside of us. And if you're a dude, you might be like, well, like, I don't know about that. Like, I don't really know that I have a wound that I'm medicating. I just kind of like it. You 100% are. Every single one of us in this life Whenever we feel inadequate, whenever we feel lonely, whenever we feel tired, all of those things, we medicate with something. He's absolutely correct. That, that is why one of the biggest things in therapy is for your therapist to get you away from what is referred to as maladaptive coping mechanisms and get you into something and get you into a because you're going to have to have a coping mechanism yes. but you have to get to, to learn coping mechanisms that are healthy yep pornography is a dopamine burst yeah it's a burst of dopamine the happy drug in your brain it's fleeting it's in the moment it doesn't last long, and you. the reason pornography is progressive 
is because you always have to chase the dragon, so to speak, because every time you go back do it, you your 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 release of dopamine is smaller. Yeah. That's why you you see men who like, what in the world? Who are you? But whenever you look at their internet searches and that their pornography searches. Yep. And that's why people usually they from what I've, you know, studied, it 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 only trends downward the yes. usage of it, like into more and more devious things. Yes. You know, a devious pornography, et cetera. Absolutely. Because they're looking, it's like drugs, like like trying to get more and more, yep. trying to get that original high, and you don't you don't yes. get it. You don't get that original high again. Yep. And and that chasing the dragon uh, comes yeah. from the opium dens. Uh, you t- take your first hit of opium, and it's just euphoric. And and but when you come back to it, you don't get that same high. So you're constantly chasing that high that was like the first high. You're chasing the dragon. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's keep going. Go ahead. And typically for guys, I'll just speak to the men, is when we don't feel like we add up in this life, we go to something that makes us feel like we add up in this life and gives us a cheap dopamine hit. So the more you can root your identity in confidence of the love of the Lord, and sure, do the accountability partners, do the blockers, all that stuff. Do the accountability blockers. Right. Do, the, do, the, do, the, do the internet blockers because you still have to deal with the 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 addiction you still have to deal with the product yeah you know like if you're a drug addict you you cannot continue to do drugs and heal mentally so you don't you're not addicted you still have a, a chemical physical addiction yeah what was you that know. comment that he made i liked that could you rewind it like 10 seconds could i uh, can try what would we said about your relationship with the lord i like the i yeah. think i like the way he just re- more you can root your identity yeah. in yeah. confidence of the love of the lord and sure, do the accountability. The more you root. can root your identity in, 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 the, in confidence the confidence and love of, of love of the Lord. I like that. Yeah. So Jordan Peterson wrote his doctoral dissertation about alcoholism, and he found something very interesting that the only way, and this is why the this is why AA, the 12 step program works, is because it's kind of a rebirth of sorts. But the only way to have to to, to uh, beat alcohol addiction is you have to undergo the, the 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 only way the easiest way the most successful way is to have a profound metaphysical change in your life that's usually associated with religion. Yeah, and and you have to start living for something other than your your alcohol. And I remember when he was describing it, I'm like, oh, so you have to be born again. <laughs> that's why our that's why our master said that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Oh, so you gotta consider yourself you gotta consider yourself who, who was an alcoholic dead, and you yeah. got to be reborn so you can start living to God instead of to alcohol. I was like, oh yeah, our Lord is the the giver of every truth that we yes. need of life and godliness. Which, oh yeah, which, I forgot. <laughs> which is which is why Conversion is described as repenting, which is a change of yeah. mind, turning to God, and then bringing forth fruit, meat for repentance. You see, if you're an, if you're a porn addict, if you're an alcoholic, if you're a drug addict, you got to change your mind about that. You got to decide I've got to stop this. That's metaphysical. You're still physically addicted to it. Yeah. Then you turn to God, and of course, from a theological perspective, that's in the watery grave of baptism. 
Now you're converted. You're you're you you have a new purpose. This this symbolizes a new purpose in your life and a new life. So now you have to bring forth fruit that are commensurate or meet for repentance. You have to go to your AA meetings. You have to go to your counseling sessions. You have to have accountability partners. You have to put internet uh, blockers on. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're still going to be physically addicted to the drug of your choice, whether it be pornography or heroin or. Um, a lot of people, this is controversial, but marijuana has been proven to be addictive now, especially the kind of marijuana. Marijuana in 1970 ain't the same as marijuana in 2020. But Surprise. So, <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> anyway, so you've got to start living, and, and, and even though you're going to slip, trip, and fall, you're, you, you have turned your life around where you're helixing upward. So Jordan Peterson says that that is the... That is the best way to deal with your alcohol addiction. I like you that. have yep. you have to have a rebirth of sorts and yep. then start living for something else. Yeah, and 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 one of the best ways to do we we have to get to the core of the problem. Whenever you see somebody who's promiscuous sexually, whenever you see somebody's a drug addict, whenever you see somebody who is a a, a people pleaser to the point of unhealthiness, whenever you see somebody that's addicted to porn. Nine times out of ten, there was some kind of abuse in their past, trauma in their past. Um, most of the time, uh, if if you're if you are um, seeing somebody who is very sexually promiscuous, sexually deviant, most of the time there was sexual abuse in their past. Yeah, and that that doesn't alleviate responsibility. No, but. But you have to be able to identify, yeah. acknowledge that, and work from that basis and understanding yeah. with therapy, et cetera. Yeah. I mean. And and I will never look at another morbidly obese person the same because um, most people who are morbidly obese have statistically, many of them have been sexually abused. Sometimes... Uh, a child will become so obese that they become sexually androgynous. If I'm using that term correctly, androgynous. You can't tell that they they might as well not not be gender specific because they're so obese that sex doesn't matter. They you don't know, have you, that the, the drive. Genitals, or, you don't. Well, no, they have the drive, but but you can't get to the genitals because of the fat. Yeah, they don't. So they don't. Perform. They don't. They're not able to. They're not yeah. physically able to. Which is yeah. a protection. Think about if. Think about if a little girl is molested, and she doesn't, and 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 that's not found out, and that's not dealt with. Well, yeah. So she's going to put on about two hundred and fifty extra pounds. So all of that fat and tissue will build up around her sex organs. So they are they 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 no longer have free access. Yep. Yep. It's pitiful that that happens, but it does. Yep. Pitiful. And, and and I know you're probably not used to hearing people talk like this, but that's what Christianity now is about. Yep. We, we don't pull any punches. We don't couch our words. We don't talk in code. We just come around and say it. Well, I mean, God's people have been too quiet about the, the facts of life and the reality of what's going on. You know, timeless truths, you know, for timely situations, things that are going on now. We can't just speak from the word of God of just, you know, just these great ideas yeah. that were crouched 2000 years ago. And no, they're, they, 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 they shape and guide, they guard yeah. and they move us today 
when we understand them in their context and we learn this is what this is how it shapes me to live today. This is how my mind's renewed. You know, Romans yep. twelve one and two. You know, people. Pe- the world is talking about these subjects daily. Our yep. children are hearing these kinds of things. Children, children mm-hmm. are hearing these kinds of things. While generally speaking, generally speaking, a lot of members of the church are wanting to sit around and not talk about the elephant that's standing right there in the room, right in front of them, inches in front of their face. That's they it. want to talk about everything else. Don't let's don't talk about the LGBT. Let's don't talk about. Uh, all these sexual issues that need to be addressed. They That's do. It. Um, Terrified I need, of them. I need to address a comment. Uh, getting baptized in water will not change your character. No, that does not change your character. Repentance changes your character. Yeah. And then the comment goes on and says, you're talking about progressive sanctification, and that is a process that takes years. There is no such thing as progressive sanctification. That is an oxymoron. You are either sanctified or or you are not sanctification is not a is not a progressive thing it doesn't happen in steps um it is true that you continue to learn and grow and you make changes but that doesn't mean you're sanctified no you're sanctified you are you are sanctified when you're delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of god's dear son sanctified just means set apart you cannot be somewhat set apart right setting apart doesn't happen in stages I think I think we're confusing, not me and you, but like with yeah. him and, and many others are confusing being sanctified and learning and growing. Yeah. And and, and that kind of thing. That's not sanctification. Sanctification right. is not learning and growing and, yeah. and making changes in your life. That's it. That's it. Just want I just wanted to be clear with that. Just wanted to yeah. be clear with that. And I wanted to make sure that other people understood we're not talking about progressive sanctification because that is an that is a concept that is anti Christ. Yeah. All right. Now Let's finish this video. Yeah, go ahead. Ability partners, do the blockers, all that stuff. But the more you get to the root, the root wound, and the more you're able to dive into the love of the Lord and actually, like, in a legit way, like, put your whole heart, like, into his. Until that point, it's going to be tough. Get to the root, fall in love with Jesus, watch this thing lose its shine. Notice he said two things get to the root yep. and then dive into the love of Jesus. Yep. I like that. You, I've, I've taken a few notes on this. Yeah. I mean, this is great. I mean, yeah, this you, is you, get to the root. And what he, what was the phrase that he said? Putting your whole heart into him. Is that what he said? Yeah. Putting your yeah. whole heart in, which is a, yeah. which is scriptures, Colossians Absolutely. Chapter, chapter three. Yeah. Well, and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I mean, that's the same that's truth. It. I love and, that. And, and like I said, it's because if, if you, and he, here's what we do. And I think we make a mistake when we do it. We take addicts and we say, well, you're just a bad person because you do this. No, 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 no. I'm not a bad person because I do this. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this as a coping mechanism because I have been harmed by bad people and I've been the victim of bad people. That, what about and, what? I got a question for you, Tony. What about being a victim of yourself, your own sins? Being a what? How does that play into this? Like, you know, sins that you've committed. Does that not entrench you deeper into behavior that you're doing? Or so is it that, always? Or do you think it's always related to because others have mistreated you or something? I, I, it's always related to others. Okay, it, that that starts you on the helix downward. You got you got to think about every person's journey 
as a helix downward or a helix upward. Okay. So yeah. that which 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 makes a great responsibility on you when people come into contact with you, are they better or worse for your time with them? Yeah. Now, that doesn't alleviate personal responsibility. Right. That doesn't mean that you don't suffer consequences of your own sin. Adultery, watching pornography, that is a sin that you are responsible for. And even if you were molested as a child and you become sexually promiscuous and you become addicted to pornography and all that, if you die in that condition, you're going to spend an eternity in hell and it's your fault. However, from a from a clinical standpoint, from trying to th- from the standpoint of trying to help somebody, okay, th- this is a good this is a good way to conceptualize this. I just it just dawned on me. From the standpoint of the outside looking in, trying to help somebody, we need to treat everybody as a victim and that they're doing the absolute best they can, and if they could do any better, they would be doing that. And we don't need to treat them as a quote-unquote bad person who enjoys doing bad things. From the standpoint of someone who is trying to do better, you need to consider yourself as 100% responsible for your own actions, 100% responsible for your own behaviors, and you need to focus on what you can change right. in order to be better. Yeah. And, and and they can also learn how the interactions they've had with others, their environment, et cetera, has given them the reasons and the purpose, for lack of better words, to That's do it. those deviant behavior, those bad behaviors, That's right? It. I mean, they learn. You learn that, and it helps you to, like, what's my triggers kind of thing? Yes. Like, what's the triggers that pushes you to do these acts that are transgressions against the holy God in heaven? You know? Yes. That's what I think. That's what I'm thinking here. That's it. That That's it. Yeah. So we're, we're not— I'm not preaching that you need to dive in and, and live in a victimhood mentality. Oh no, absolutely not. Yeah, because that is not that's not healthy. No, absolutely not. Like even even a woman who is raped. All right. After she's gone through therapy, and after she has gone through therapy to the point where she's she's somewhat mentally healthy, a good therapist will bring her through and be like, okay, so let's talk about things that you could have done to prevent this from happening. Yeah. Now, let me tell you something. You don't have that conversation while yeah. they're while, while the police is breaking out the rape kit. You got it? Right. You cannot have that because con- if a woman is raped, is it her fault? Yeah, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Obviously not. No. And whenever you say something like, well, a woman who is raped needs to figure out how she could have prevented it, that kind of, people kind of hear what, well, Tony, you're, 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 you're victim blaming. No, I'm not. But what, what's the alternative? Just, just to be vulnerable? Right. Continue just to, to repeat that process? Yeah. J- just to, to, to be oblivious of your surroundings and your situations and, yep. and, 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 and potentially get into another situation where it could happen? Yeah. You know? For instance, if 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 I go into into uh, the, if well in New York City in Harlem, as a white guy, if I go down Harlem wearing a, a thick gold chains and a huge Rolex watch with a big wad of money, what's going to happen, Aaron? <laughs> you get jumped. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna get robbed. Yep. 
Yep. Well, we need to understand that when bad things happen to us, there is a sense in which we are somewhat culpable in that after we get into a place where we're mentally healthy, we can look at this and we can say, what could I have done different? It may be that on a scale of zero to 100%, your culpability was 1% or even 0.1%. Yeah. All right? So, okay, so I have to go through the bad part of town. I'm not stupid. I don't flash my possessions. I don't flash my money. I keep my nose down. I keep, I'm I'm respectful, um, all this, any other. And then some debased individual knocks me in the back of the head and steals everything I own. What could I have done differently? How, how, I mean, it's, I mean, I, well, one, you could just stay out of that part of town. Yeah. Okay. But I had to go in there for X, Y, Z. Okay. So now, but, but, but you start, you start looking at this and seeing, but if all you do is look at it from a victim standpoint, you're never going to be able to heal from that. Right. And help prevent that same behavior, that same consequence and tragedy yeah. again. You're always going to be, yeah, you're always going to be, you're going to be weaker. You're, you're going to be weaker for what happened instead of stronger. The, you know, Tony, this is not parallel completely there may be some principles maybe not but it made me think of the the man that was demon possessed legion yeah uh, chapter five mark he of course that was a specific very unique you know that's not equal to someone drug use but he he had to get healed of that and then he was sitting and clothed and in his right mind to learn Yes. To to learn a new way of living, you know, the yes. Lord's way, et cetera. Uh, don't really know exactly why he got in that situation. Was it any sin on his part? I, I don't yeah. know. But, 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 but. I mean, he could have sold his soul to that. I don't think. Yeah. He, yeah. He, maybe. But we, here, we, here's the way some higher textual critics of the Bible read demon possession. They, they read demons are a personification of our worst selves. So. If you're a, if you're a drug addict, you're possessed by the demon of heroin. Yeah. Look at how people act on heroin. Think about jealousy. Is a blue is a blue eyed is a green eyed monster. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this personified. So if uh, if my wife if some if some guy speaks to my wife on the street and I beat him to death, oh that was crazy. He was like a man possessed. Possessed of what? That green-eyed demon. Yeah. Now, I don't, I don't, I believe that the the biblical account that we have is correct. Yes. That Legion was actually a demons. Yes. But people who don't believe in the uh, inspiration of the Bible, they say, "Well, how would how would you know two thousand people two thousand years ago? How would they perceive someone who is?" You know, addicted in these things, who who have let an, an who who have let an ideology or a substance control them to the point where not, they no longer act like themselves, they would describe it as being possessed. Yeah, yeah. 
something to think about there. And and, and, my, and my point was he had to be he had to come to a healthy position, kind of like you said, uh, a good therapist. After they've brought that person through to a certain place, then they can help them where they're going and help prevent that kind of thing from happening again. And here's this guy. You know, the Lord healed him, no doubt, to help give evidence that Jesus was the true Messiah, etc. But he was clothed and in his right mind after he came out of that bad situation, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And we know what we do at the feet of Jesus. We learn, and we're taught, and we change, and we worship him, et cetera. Absolutely. But anyhow, just made me think of that. Yeah, made me think of that. Yeah. All right. So we've gone way over, but I still want to get this last video in because I think this the point that I'm going to make from it, it ties all this together. Go ahead. And, it, and we're going to leave on a high note. You got enough time, Aaron? Yeah, go ahead. I, I'd right. like to end on a high note. Go right. ahead. Uh, come Here's on. A- oh, okay. This is a quote-unquote pastor. I don't endorse. I don't endorse anybody that's not a member of the Church of Christ. Now, but that being said, this content that I show is highly viewed. The reason I see it is because the algorithm puts it in front of me, and the reason the algorithm puts it in front of me is because people watch it and consume it. Yeah. The reason content like this is being made is because it's what it's what people want. It's like the reason McDonald's doesn't sell dry kale salads, which are much healthier than Big Macs, is because no one would buy them. Yeah. So TikTok... <laughs> kind of good, bad, and ugly, sells what people want to buy. Yep. Notice the two videos. No, notice the videos I always bring. But no, these two videos, very good, very important videos, very good messages. Now let's listen to this last one. Another punch-in-the-mouth verse. 1 Timothy 5.8, If anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially members of his household, that's your wife and kids, He has denied the faith and is worse than what? An unbeliever. A Christian man who doesn't work is worse than a non-Christian. Okay, now if you're offended, you're wrong. That don't sound like a whole lot of ecumenical preaching that I've heard in the past. Uh Uh-uh, no. If you're offended, you're wrong. Yep. That is contrary to the woke Yes, agenda it is. that is in the world today. I think more teaching like this is becoming more a little more prevalent than it was in the ecumenical cir- circles You're- because society continues to deprave further and further, and some people are waking up more now. Yep, that's that, what I'm thinking. That you took the words that's, out of my mouth. That's, that's, I think that's what a lot of it is. Let's keep going. Okay. If you're offended, you're wrong. <laughs> That laugh is called the guillotine laugh. Uh, yeah. And, and the reason it's called the, in the French Revolution, whenever a bunch of people's heads were, uh, whenever a bunch of people's heads rolled, uh, they would walk to the guillotine and as a defense mechanism, the brain would, the, the body would cause a, a, a flood of dopamine, a, a flood of, of hormones, endorphins, everything like that to be, to wash the brain. And it would it it would it would present as laughter. Some of them laughed hysterically, yeah, as their heads flew. 
Whenever you're uncomfortable and you laugh, that's called a guillotine laugh because you're, 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 you're so uncomfortable that your body gives you a little shot of drugs <laughs> to, to cope yeah. with it. Yeah. Here's what he says. There are non-Christians and there are Christians, and the Christians who have men in the family who don't go to work to feed the women and children, those men are worse than the non-Christian men. End of video. That's it. All right. So, I mean, I want to end on the note. I don't want to talk a whole lot about the verse or anything like that. Uh, that is, and notice what he did. He didn't say, well, that's a cultural thing, which many of my own brethren do. Yeah. There's not a cultural thing. If, if that verse is cultural, then I will, therefore, that men pray every place, lifting holy hands without wrath and doubting is cultural. Uh, I will there, uh, I, I will, therefore, that, that women should keep silent in the churches. Should not teach, no, not sign on the church. It should not uh, teach nor usurp authority over the man. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Anyway, then, then that's cultural. You know, yeah. what's cultural and what's not? Yeah. Who gets to decide? Well, that verse is certainly not cultural. No. And if you continue to read the context, it's very explicit that it's not cultural. It's creational. That's For it. Adam was formed first, then Eve. You got it. Now, I don't want to talk so much about that. I want to talk about the tone and tenor and the 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 speaking straight out of the front of the mouth. If you are offended by this, you are wrong. That is not, I love the fact that I find content like this more and more. Yep. It means that's what people want. So my, yep. my high note upon which I would like to end is that if you're a Christian and you think that evangelism is too tough and people just don't want to hear the gospel and people just don't want to hear the truth anymore, you are wrong. Yep. Yep. And this proves it. Yep. Yep. There have always been way more people who don't want to hear the truth than want to hear the truth. <laughs> but there are more people now that want to hear the truth. Yeah, I'm going to start. Not more than, not, there are more people than you think that want to hear the truth. Yeah, I'm going to start a saying. There's always been, what, what was the first thing you just said there? There's more, always, there's always been more people that have rejected the gospel, or you didn't say reject, but didn't want to hear the gospel, than have. I'm going to add this to it. And there's probably always been more people who would receive the gospel than the church thought would. That's it. God knows who will, and we need to leave that business to him. Our business is to scatter the seed and quit making cop-outs. That's it. Scatter the seed. There's precious souls for whom Jesus died. You know, you the it. other the other day we were out somewhere, and I was with a brother, a good, faithful brother that means a lot to me. And there was uh, someone of the world spending time with someone who was not who was a member. Okay, right. And my good buddy says to me, says, "You know, those individuals are not members of the church." They, we were just talking about how we wanted them to be. He wasn't being, you know, he sure. was he was wanting me to know who they were. And I said, okay. And uh, and I looked at him and I said something like, Jesus died for them too, didn't he? And he looked at me and just grinned real big. He's like, yes, sir, he did. And I said, they need it too, don't they? And he said, yep. And he, I said, I told him, I said, I want us, I want us to start saying that about everybody we see that we know is not a member. Look at your brother or sister in Christ and say, 
he died for them too, didn't he? Just yep. ask the question because the question is so the answer is is so rhetorical, you know, in nature. It like moves me to go. I I need to talk to these people. These people need Jesus. So I told him, I said, I'm going to start saying that when we're together. I said, when I see something, I'm going to say, hey, our Lord died for them too, didn't he? Oh, man. And he's going to say, yes, he did. (laughs) Good stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't have a whole lot of comment. I'm I'm just proud that there seems to be a growing counterculture. Yes, yes. Of people that. That want to just hear the truth and hear it spoken straight out of the front of somebody's mouth. Oh, and does that open the door so much for the one church? Oh, yes. wow. Philadelphia church. Here we go. There's an open door. That's it. There's an open door. Mm. All right. Good deal. Aaron, you got anything as we close? That's it. Thank you so much to everybody that made comments and uh, yes. interacted with us and and put the word out there if you like this show. Help us out and That's and, it. and share the video and and tell your friends, you know, about what, what we're trying to do here and that's get it. more involved. Amen. Well, well, that's all I've got, Aaron. I'm glad that everybody tuned in. We had a good crowd today. And if you're listening on my Podbean channel, uh, this has been Tony Brewer when, and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now. You can look in the show notes and see how to support the podcast and all that good stuff. And yeah. uh, we're about 30 minutes over, so... Uh, this has been Tony Brunner and Aaron Dotson with Christianity Now, powered by DigitalBibleStudyMedia.org, and we will catch you on the flip side.